Hello, good afternoon. You're listening to Arts on Fire here on WRFA for Friday, May 22nd, 2020. Jason Sample in the studio with you. On today's program, for the second half of the show, we're going to play for you some music from the 2013 WRFA Great American Picnic featuring the music of Woodstock. Stick around for that. Some exciting songs for you to enjoy. But for the first half of our show, we're going to be checking in with somebody who is no stranger to WRFA, local musician extraordinaire Ken Hardley. He's been working on some new music and staying busy. We're going to catch up with him for the first half of this hour. We will uh, talk with Ken in just a moment and also play some new music from Ken Hardley a little bit later on in our segment with Mr. Hardley. But uh, first, let's play a track from the man himself, and this will be a song from his album, Ken Hardly and the Moose Club. The name of this track is Probably Just Fine. On the other side, Ken Hardly, right here on Arts on Fire. I haven't seen this girl now in almost a year. She sent me a message at Christmas. But her words weren't quite clear I think I should have asked her If she thinks about me sometimes The truth is though To leave it like this Is probably just fine kind of thing I've got thoughts of you wanted to say hi and I might see you in the spring I like my job I know people who talk to me sometimes the truth is though to leave it like this is probably just fine Sadness like an Alice and deep mind. 
that's just the way we left it And that's probably just fine And again, you're listening to Arts on Fire, and as promised, we have Ken Hartley joining us via telephone to talk with us more about how he's been uh, dealing with COVID-19 as well as how uh, the music is coming along. So with that being said, uh, Ken, thanks for taking time out and talking with us today. I really appreciate you having me. It's great to be on the air with you guys again. Yeah, happy to talk with you again, this time via telephone. I know that we've had you in the studio on numerous occasions over the years to give us updates on various projects you're involved with and, and things of that nature. This time we're doing the phone, uh, the interview over the phone, and uh, for good reason. But I, I did think it was important to keep our listeners up to speed on what different musicians are doing in our area as we continue to uh, make our way through the pandemic. So maybe a good place to start, Ken, is just how are you holding up? How, how are things going in, in the uh, life of uh, Ken Hardley? I'm very lucky that I'm an introvert, so I get to spend a lot of time at home, which is, which is right in my wheelhouse. Um, you know, there are people that I miss seeing, but I go to their house, my, like my, my, my family, and I'll visit to, with them through the window. I'm outside, they're inside. Other than that, you know, things are good. I'm getting a lot of work done, a lot of musical work done. Right, and that's you know that's what I wanted to kind of bring you on the air for here is that we um, wanted to talk with you about Rolling Hills Radio uh, a little bit later on in the conversation, but also to get an update on the music that you're currently creating. You know, some people have um, felt that because of this pandemic and uh, social distancing and lockdown, it's kind of really put a damper on on what they do and who they are. But I would assume. For musicians like yourself, who primarily do uh, singer-songwriter stuff, it's, it's allowed you more opportunity to, to work on your songs, write new songs, and maybe even record them as well? Two out of those three, yes. Uh, definitely work on, new, work on songs, definitely write new songs, and that's been going on. As far as recording, that's been a problem. I, I really can't get into the studio because of the uh, pandemic, and they're wow. they're working on their social distancing and all. You know, they're a lost recording studio. We've been very cooperative, very wonderful, a great couple of engineers to work with, um, and I just can't get in the studio. So as it is right now, I've got four songs ready for action, and I've got thirteen songs 
I just need to get into the studio and put a part on or change something around or something like that. But they're just on the verge of being, you know, I can release them. Can't do it until I get into the studio, and I don't know how long that will be. So you've recorded a lot of this stuff, then, I would assume, prior to uh, mid-March when the um, the New York on pause situation was put in by the governor. So a lot of this is is uh, the culmination of, of work you've been doing for, what, the past uh, year or so, if not longer? Yeah, it has been. Uh, as is the case with a lot of these things, you know, things moved along a bit more slowly than than I wanted them to, and uh, so we, we we now have a second. There are two people producing my uh, producing my songs now. There's a guy in Houston. His name is Dan Yaney, and then Don Dixon is now doing uh, uh, production. So apparently, I'm so prolific that they can't keep up with me. I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Don is absolutely wonderful to work with. I love, and he just he just does the production, sends it back to me, and it's a work of art the first time through. So when you're writing this music, from what I understand, it's not just um, going in and recording just yourself. You've had a lot of musicians, both near and far, give you assistance on this uh, upcoming project or this new project you've been working on over the past year or so. Who are some of the people that have helped you out along the way, and, and what have they done to contribute? Yeah, well, locally I've been lucky enough to have Jay Peterson play bass, uh, uh, Dave Swart uh, has played drums, Steve Chappell uh, has uh played sax. Cindy Love did a lot of work with me. She put a lot of beautiful vocals on what I'm doing. Um, so uh, Jeff Erickson, I'll call, I, I don't count Jeff and Mary as local, actually, being the maniacs. But also, um, I've been lucky enough to have uh, Molly O'Brien come into the studio and sing something for me. So she's considered to be one of the very best singers in the United States, and I, I was tremendously lucky that she agreed to sing with me. And, uh, of course, Brian Bowers, the, the uh, auto harp master, the guy who revolutionized auto harp, is also on the album. So that's, I'm very lucky that uh, people agreed to do these things with me. Have, have they all come into uh, Jamestown and record at the, um, the studio, or do they sometimes record off location and with the advent of, obviously, emailing and, and zipping files from one location to the other? Have they done it that way as well? Yeah, all of the above. Uh, all the local guys came into Lost. Uh, Mary and her and her sister Susan, the Ramsey sisters, actually went into Armin Petrie's uh, studio along with me um, to record there in, in Silver Creek. And then there were people who did it from afar. Uh, there's a pedal steel player in Nashville, Chris Bauer. He's been he was in, he's an old buddy of mine from the Ken Hardley Playboys, but he also was in town a couple times to play with Farmer and Adele. He's their steel player. He has uh, sent two parts in for my songs. Uh, Kevin Ball from Saratoga Springs near Albany, he's put some Dobro parts on and sent them to me. So we do. Thank God for the ability to do this via email. And uh, um, it's working It's working great. We just send that stuff to the producer. He, he puts it all together like a puzzle, and that's the way it goes. So, yeah, I've worked with a lot of, a lot of near and far. It's a, it's a lot of fun to do it like that. I always thought, you know, you, you rehearse a band, take them into the studio, and pound out the song. 
Um, yeah, that's one way to do it. But this other way, I'm kind of getting used to, and there's a lot to be said for it. Right on, right on. Again, we're talking with Ken Hardley, local musician extraordinaire. I'm sure everybody on WRFA and in the Jamestown area is familiar with the uh, the music and the name Ken Hardley, of course, being associated with Rolling Hills Radio for all those years and playing out and about as well at uh, just about any venue that will accept you and even some that won't accept you never stops you from showing up and uh, and doing what you do anyway, right? Uh, I, I wanted to ask you some more about um, playing some music here and, and, and writing music. You know, I mean, uh, you, you write your fair share of original compositions and I've, I don't think I've really asked you about the uh, the science or the approach that you take behind uh, writing your own songs are are you more of somebody who has a you know a theme or uh, lyrics that you write first and then try to wrap a melody around it or do you try to really work on the the, the musical composition and then attach um, fitting lyrics after the uh, the music is nailed down or is it both I've got a well I've got a folder full of lyrics and I've got my uh, the the uh, what do you voice recording thing on my iPhone. That's full of tunes, and I've used those fold that folder and the recording like zero times. <laughs> I, I think okay, this is what I'm going to turn these into. Some, but what usually happens is something will just hit me, and if I can run to my guitar soon enough, I can get the song. You have to for me, I have to capture it. If I don't capture it within ten minutes, it's gone. So the one that I just released, I wrote it literally in 15 minutes. And uh, th- those are the best ones. There are others that I slaved over, and uh, I mean, they're okay, but to me, they're just not, uh, they don't have the heart that these uh, sudden kind of epiphanies do. No kind of, so yeah, the spontaneity and, and the, the sudden epiphany is really something that seems to um, work in, in your favor. I know a lot of people will work on a song and reshape lyrics and then reshape a melody and uh, what they originally started out with is nothing at all to the the end version but it sounds like you're really uh one of those let's uh let's write it nail it down and and get it out there as soon as possible before uh you lose it sort of the the lightning in a bottle approach right it is like that now later i will i will kind of tweak him a little bit i remember reading an interview with chris hillman of the birds and he said you know almost every time we'll get the song done send it out and a year later, I'll say, oh, why didn't I do this other thing? And that certainly happens. So when I play it live, sometimes I'll play a slightly different version. Um, but generally speaking, yeah, it's lightning in a bottle. And, and any inspiration will come along. I, ne- I never quite know what it is. I, uh, a friend of mine got a terminal illness, and it just hit me. And I wrote a song about it. Hmm. How about when you get? Yeah. How about when you get your your uh, friends to come into the studio and record with you? Do they ever say, "Well, this is a great song, Ken, but you might want to try to put this on it," or "Hey, can I try to do this with it?" Uh, when when they're coming in to uh, lend you a hand in in finalizing your songs, or, or is it really uh, you one hundred percent total autocracy and no way, shape, or form will anybody influence what you're doing other than just uh, <laughs> adding adding what you want them to do? Well, as fond as I am of telling everybody what to do, I do try to, uh, to give people leeway. And, and different musicians are different. Um, now, Dave Swart, who is a, an amazing drummer, I've never worked with a drummer like this guy before, um, he will say, what do you want? What do you want me to do? And so we, we have that conversation. Others walk in and say, hey, how about this? And just found out some part that I've never thought of before. And I just try to make those guys understand, yeah, please, Give me all the input. Give me all the creativity that you have. If you think of something, please do that. But don't be offended if it gets edited out. You know, the producer and I will have the final say about how that goes. And musicians are used to that. They, they're, they're fine with that. 
Right on. I tell you what we want to do is we're going to play a song, one of the ones that you had forwarded on to us here at WRFA, and this will be the first time it's played on WRFA. Of course, we'll play it on our local Rush Hour afterward. Uh, The name of this one is That Light March. I did want to talk with you a little bit more after this, so uh, please stick around, but uh, maybe a little bit of background on this. um, What what was the inspiration behind it, and who's lending a hand in the uh, the recording here? I know it's not just your voice I heard, so I know you've had some folks helping you out. What's the uh, story with this one? Well, this one, yeah, there are a couple of people who, who had uh, key parts. One is, uh, of course, Brian Bowers. And you'll hear an auto harp introduction. He plays auto harp through the entire thing. I was very lucky. Brian and I agreed that he would be on this song, and that we could not figure out the transportation. So uh, I went to Washington uh, near Seattle. In fact, you can see Mount Rainier from his backyard. So wow. I went out there, stayed with him for a few days, and we went into his studio there. And... Um, I mean, I could tell you stories for a week about my three days with Brian Bauer. So if you ever want to hear about that, this guy, I've never, he's amazing. And he knows every musician that I grew up listening to. The Dillards, David Bromberg, on and on. He's got stories about all of them. Anyway, it was a tremendous experience. And he and I rehearsed it for about 10 minutes in his living room and then went right to the studio. And he's, he's a genius. So there was that, and then I was lucky enough to have Mary Ramsey play on this as well. She sings beautifully on it, and as always, I mean, her part, uh, her violin part is, her viola, her viola part is heartbreaking, and she's such a natural musician. She's so incredibly uh, talented that she did with this like she did on my first album, which is she heard the song once, went into the studio booth, and just played a couple of things that brought me to my knees. It, it the emotionality, the precision, her ability to interpret what she's heard and what the song means the first time out of the gate. I'm just in awe every time I work with her. And you'll hear it when you hear this song. Right on. Let's uh, roll out that song right now. This is uh, Ken Hartley's latest song. It's That Light March, of course, featuring Brian Bauer and Mary Ramsey. And it's right here on Arts on Fire. can hear my voice come through the pain Come and sit with me, let's talk again My heart beats for you now, deep and slow I'm sure you'll understand that I have to go Blank and cold How did nothing come Of a love so bold This boat sails swiftly I can't see the bottom I'll be on the other shore For sure What's that light Oh that light Come and sit with me Just one more night There's that door I'll be leaving soon Stay just a little while In this
You'll be here to watch after your dad He needs you now, you're the best he's had I used to talk to him and set him straight Be his open question, his beginning to state Now it looks like time for this trip to end You'll go a little longer, my little friend I'm off to go back to the source I'll be in your dreams as you run your course What's that light? Oh, that light Come and sit with me just one more night There's that door I'll be leaving soon Stay just a little while And again, music from Ken Hartley here on Arts on Fire. We will have um, more with Ken Hartley later on this hour, as a matter of fact. And next hour, Ken will be uh, talking with us, or actually playing for us, as part of the WRFA Great American Picnics of Past, when we uh, will be rolling out some some uh, Great American picket, Picnics from years ago. And uh, we're kind of building up to uh, that time of year again. I'm, I don't know if we'll be doing a Great American Picnic this year or not. I, I don't think we'll be doing one next month, but enough about that. Also, uh, we have Rolling Hills Radio next hour here on WRFA on Friday at, uh, at 6 o'clock, of course. So you can tune in and check that out. And uh, maybe that's a good transition point, Ken. So a lot of these musicians who've helped you out uh, on, on your... Uh, uh, latest music that you're uh, working on putting out have also been guests. These are familiar names. They've been guests on Rolling Hills Radio. And I was curious to know, did uh, did you build these relationships with these individuals after they appeared on that show? Or was it more or less um, people that you knew and asked them to come on to the show and then they help you out in other ways as well afterward? A little bit of each. Uh, Kevin Mall, for example, the Dobro player. He and I have been friends for... <clears throat> 35 years or so. We were but kids when we met each other. And, of course, Kevin went on to play with a lot of great people, Chet Atkins and Peter Rowan. He was a regular on the Garris Keeler show, Prairie Home Companion. Uh, so he's one that I knew before, came on the show a couple times, and did, and, and we've kept touching. He's on the album. There are others that I met after they came. We just kind of hit it off and got to be friends with Tom Chapin, John McEwen, um, John Gorka, uh, Molly O'Brien. So we're, and I'm kind of, I kind of developed a nice relationship with McEwen and Tom Chapin. We keep in touch here and there. So um, I didn't want to mention it earlier, but I'll say it may well be that John is going to be appearing on some of my future singles. We talked about that, John McEwen. Nice. So, uh, I hope that answers the question. Yeah, yeah, it does. You know, and talking about uh, Rolling Hills Radio, so you made the announcement earlier this spring. I mean, COVID-19 put a damper on the current season of Rolling Hills Radio, but you also said that uh, it was uh, not permanently going away, or should I say it's not going away fully. There could be opportunities to do special shows, whether it be at Chautauqua or the uh, the Blue Heron, of course, maybe not this year due to COVID-19, but in future years. I, I would imagine with all the labor and hard work and uh, effort that you put into this, it was really a passion project of yours. I know um, 
watching you build it up from from the beginning all the way up to what it became uh, in in the recent years. I mean, it, it must have been a, a tough decision, but from what you had said in your email sent out to all the Rolling Hills Radio followers, that it, it was uh, time to sort of uh, put it away for now, right? Yeah, and you're right. It was a really difficult decision that I wrestled with for easily a year before I finally said that, you know, that I've done with this what I always wanted to do. In fact, way, way more. I didn't expect it to turn into what it turned into. And it's time to move on. You know, I, um, I my own music has been ignored for all this time, and as soon as Rolling Hills kind of, as soon as we kind of packed it up, I just kind of had a burst of uh, of creative energy on other things. So I've moved on certainly with my own music, um, as well as other aspects of my life. I mean, I'm reacquainting myself with my family, for example. And uh, an endeavor like Rolling Hills, um, you know, I'm reminded of what I, I think it was Jimmy Durante said. Uh, people don't realize that I, that I put in 18 hours a day for one half-hour show a month. And it's not quite like that with Rolling Hills, but it really sucked the oxygen out of my life. There were most weeks, there were six, ten-hour days. And um, I myself was amazed at what goes into it, how much work, how many phone calls, how many contracts, preparing the music, just getting the finale ready took hours and hours and hours. Right, you know, it remind, so, yeah, it reminds me of one of those things where you're not putting together a single show; you're putting together a series of uh, uh, nearly a dozen shows on an annual basis. But what people see for that one hour, that one hour and a half, is just the tip of the iceberg. You know, underneath uh, the surface is all of this labor, all of these. Uh, hours of, of tracking down people, coordinating, having to reschedule. And it's got to be, I don't want to say a logistical nightmare, but there's got to be a lot of uh, logistical complexities involved with uh, nailing down artists who live on the other side of the country. And when can you come in? And how do we coordinate that with the last uh, Monday of the month, for example? I mean, there's just so many things to think about. It's a real juggling act. And hats off to you for making it work for, for so long. And I know you had support uh, from other individuals as well, but you really were the catalyst behind it. So, you know, hats off to you, Ken. I think I think you did a super job, and as you noted, it really was a, a lot more than I think what anybody bargained for when you first started out in the uh, the basement of the Labyrinth Press Company all those years ago. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, one of the primary Americana spokespeople, a guy with a lot of gra- gravitas, John McEwen, said, we are the center of broadcast Americana music in the Northeast United States. And, uh, you know, I don't take that kind of compliment lightly. That was really something and uh, made it even harder to let go of the show. <laughs> right. Well, well you know, you, obviously you're not going to be doing it on a, on a regular basis, and, and maybe the, the pandemic and COVID-19 kind of helped with that decision. But I did note that in the email you had sent out that there could be possible special shows, one-offs, if you will, taking place at the, um, at the special locations and events such as... Uh, the Blue Heron Music Festival, obviously not taking place this year, and, and Chautauqua is closed. But uh, could we, in the year 2021, see a return of Rolling Hills Radio, even if it's just uh, one or two shows a year, rather than putting together a series of shows on a monthly basis? That's not out of the question at all. Um, in fact, I've ta- I talked to Chautauqua the day before yesterday. I talked to the Blue Heron. So they will leave a slot open for us, both of those places, to do summer shows. And I've also talked to a couple of uh, musicians uh, to uh, play those shows, and there seems to be a positive slant in that direction. And I think I think uh, musicians are going to be a little easier to come by, and I'm sad to say that, 
because so many musicians are struggling right now. They've lost all of their income, and they're going to be scrambling to book as much as they possibly can when this thing goes away. Right. I mean, maybe that's a good way to segue into just the, the final part of the conversation I want to have with you is, is how do you entertain your, your, fan, your fans, your friends and family? I know you've done a live show or, or two on, um, on Facebook. That's got to be somewhat helpful to at least allow uh, people to hear you play. But I would imagine it's not a, a true replacement of the real thing of being in front of a live audience at a venue and uh, interacting and, and seeing the audience as you perform. Or maybe it's a good yeah, thing not to see good. them. I don't know. It is very different. It's it's a completely different thing. In fact, uh, yeah, every Thursday night at six thirty, we have a show. We're calling Dinner with Ken, and I think I just wrapped up maybe the fifth or sixth episode last night. Um, yeah, it's completely different. I'm able to resummon the inner Ken um, as opposed to you know hosting other people and doing the interviewing and things like that. So I'm getting a kick out of being myself again in a, in a different way. And, uh, you know, we have a fair number of regulars who tune in. It's a lot of fun. We, uh, I play one John Prine song per show. I play one of my originals per show. Uh, and it usually lasts around 40 minutes or so. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun. And it seems like this has become a genre unto itself in just, in just the couple of months that this pandemic's been going on. Uh, lots of people are doing this. Uh, Bill Ward does a Friday night show. Uh, Amelia K. Spicer, other national artists, John McKeon, they're <laughs> excuse me, they're just uh, uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Uh, uh, so many people have internet things going on now, and I think people are uh, skating around the internet now, looking for musicians to kind of fill their time, if you will. People who are trapped at home, and it's it's become mm, you know kind of a phenomenon actually. And then a lot of musicians like myself are saying. Even when this is over, even when the self-isolation is over, I'm going to continue doing this. Right on, right on. So just uh, the, the videos that you actually do live on Thursdays, those, those are posted at your Facebook page. So, I mean, people can still view them even afterward. If it's not live, you can go back and rewatch them, right? On the Ken Hardly Music page, yes. Yeah. They're all up there. Okay, so I'll remind our listeners about that, too. So even if you missed the show last night on Thursday, for example, or past shows, you can go back and check them out. You said, what, each one runs about 30 or 40 minutes, so if you've got five of them put together, there's a uh, uh, a free night of entertainment for uh, for folks if they want to uh, hang out and, and listen to some Ken Hardly for a few hours. Good stuff. Um, I think all my questions are satisfied, Ken. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you want to uh, remind our listeners since we got you here? Well, happily, I can let you know that WRFA is doing the broadcast premiere of the, of the song, That Light. Uh, I'm guessing because of the pandemic, it's taking forever to get these songs published. We, we submitted it six weeks ago, and it usually takes one week, and it hasn't been done yet. It should be on CD Baby, Spotify, all of those things. It's not on any of them quite yet. So we're hoping in the next week or two it'll come out. But in the meantime, you're the only station that can broadcast it for public uh, uh, consumption. Super. Maybe I'll play it again at the end of uh, this hour. In the meantime, we'll play uh, one more track from your uh, previous album, Ken Hartley and the Moose Club. And uh, I think you've got a cover of ABBA on this one. So why don't, you like to play this song, right? You like to play Dancing Queen. And, and that, 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 is on, that is on Ken Hartley and the Moose Club, is it not? It is, yeah. And it's a happy coincidence. Yeah, I do like playing it, but it's like it's become a song that everybody requests every time I appear live, and I'm a little bit chagrined about that. But all right, sure, I'm happy to do that. I got a great story about that. You know, when um, 
the, you know Johnny Johnson, who was in the band uh, yeah. Smack Dab and all. He was in Zeta Cauliflower for years, and back right when I was in college, they used to play at Ten Pin Lanes, the old bowling alley that's now, I think, the uh, the Manufacturing Institute for Jamestown Community College. That used to be a bowling alley, and uh, Steve Trapani would uh, book shows there, and and uh, Johnny J and Nate Arnone and the gang would come down and play for Zeta Cauliflower, and they always did a cover of Electric Avenue. By uh, I think it was Lou Graham, you know the the reggae uh, song right. from the '80s, yeah. and they had so much great music. Jeff Erickson, of course, was a guitarist for the band, so they really delved into psychedelia and just really had a unique Jamestown sound. But uh, poor Johnny J, he he would always get harassed or harangued by myself and other friends to to play Electric Avenue, and you know they always would honor it. But there are so many other songs that they got older to realize that they did so much better of their original stuff. But, uh, you know, always uh, the consummate entertainers and, and doing what the audience wants, they, they would roll that out. So I, I guess I can kind of understand where you're coming from about the, the Dancing Queen song and folks asking you to play it and needing that request with a bit of uh, chagrin, but doing it anyway. You're a team player, Ken. Yeah, I do it. Like, like, uh, like Joe Walsh said about Rocky Mountain Way. If I'd have known that was going to be my biggest hit, I would have written a better song. <laughs> right on, right on. Well, uh, well, thanks for uh, checking in with us. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, stay well, Ken, and we will be uh, checking in with you in the future. Uh, please let us know when you get another song mastered. Send it our way, and we will definitely put it on here at WRFA, all right? It's been a great pleasure. Thank you very much, Jason. Ken Hardley, ladies and gentlemen, talk with us today on Arts on Fire. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Time of your life.
watch that scene digging the dancing queen Once again, music from Ken Hardley and the Moose Club with Dancing Queen, their cover of ABBA. Thanks again to uh, Ken for talking with us during the first half of the show. At the start of our program, we said for the second half of the show, we would be focusing on music from the 2013 WRFA Great American Picnic, a fundraiser for your community radio station at Southern Tier Brewing Company. And we will uh, play for you right now another track from Ken Hardley. This is him performing along with his crew at... The Great American Picnic. We'll also have for you some music from the Bogarts. Uh, Jamie Tressler will be coming up in just a moment playing the Star Spangled Banner a la Jimi Hendrix. And we'll have the modified nouns for you and maybe even a surprise from the general manager of WRFA himself, Dennis Drew. That's all coming up in the second half of this hour, the 2013 WRFA Great American Picnic. Enjoy. I'm gonna raise a holler By working all summer Just to try to earn a dollar Well, I took my baby Hard on the day Told him about that zone But you gotta work late Sometimes I wonder What I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure For the summertime blues Try to honor dollar 
summertime blues. One of the most iconic moments of Woodstock in 1969 was the Star Spangled Banner. Jamie Trussler.
Tressler. You know, in Woodstock, there were a lot of great bands. One of them was uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival, and I don't think there's a better band in the area to do Creedence Clearwater Revival than the Bogarts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bogarts. Woo-hoo. Hey, hey, how you doing? This is Lodi. One, two, Thank you, guys. 
All right, here's one that uh, was done by the band.
put the love, put the love right on me. Thank you, thank you. I'd like to bring up the one and only Dennis Drew right now. Yeah, baby. Wow, man, like I was rapping to the fuzz. There's supposed to be a thousand and a half people here by tonight. The Southern Tier Expressway is closed, man. Far out. Oh yeah. 